Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children. Music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable, rdgable at yahoo.com, or our backup email, tstradio at protonmail.com. If you'd like to reach out to the show in other ways, you can find us on social media, on Twitter and on Facebook. And of course, search www.thesecretteachings.info. You'll find our website, you'll find my books, you'll find our full show archive. You can listen and download the shows on that website for free. Or if you're already a subscriber to the ad-free show, you can resubscribe or go to aftermath.media where you can become a new subscriber and get a lot of content with your monthly subscription. You can get Clyde's show, my show, and a lot more. Just visit aftermath.media. If you're coming over from Ground Zero, welcome to The Secret Teachings, particularly if this is the first time you've tuned into The Secret Teachings or if you're just giving us a try. I appreciate the time that you're taking out of your morning, afternoon, or night to do so. A lot of you, of course, are listening in the free archive and in the subscription archive. Thank you to all of you who have subscribed. Or again, if you're taking your time, taking time out of your morning, noon or night to listen to our archive, uh, I really appreciate it. And obviously, if you're doing that, you appreciate the show. And uh, well, I appreciate that. And that's why I put so much time and effort into this show, not just Monday through Friday, but I work over the weekend. In fact, I'm having a hard time not working on the show it's really difficult uh, for me to do anything else. I'm always looking for content. I'm always looking for ideas. It's second nature, but I think my whole life has has really revolved around what I do here. And it follows me out of the studio, too. It's kind of hard for me to do anything without relating it to this show. And I can't figure out if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I've spoken to um, uh, Clyde as well about that and he has a very similar feeling, especially because the more news, the more things you watch, and I don't even watch news, I don't even have cable, but the more stuff that you watch, the more stuff that you read and interact with, especially having a having a cell phone, you know, everything that pops up, even notifications, just people messaging you, emails, phone calls. I mean, I've got like a thousand phone calls I, I haven't responded to, or emails, I should say. It's like a couple hundred phone calls I haven't responded to text messages. I've got like a couple hundred of those. You just get so overwhelmed. And um, I try to go to movies because I, I went to film school and I try to go to movies to sort of relax. And uh, that doesn't necessarily work either. I end up seeing something in the movie that inspires me to do a show. Sometimes I go to movies because I know it will make a good show. Uh, in fact, last night I went to see uh, Nefarious. And I don't know if you know what Nefarious is. It doesn't have a um, a blockbuster uh, budget or anything like that. It's actually based off of a novel called A Nefarious Plot, and it certainly has a very Christian angle to it. That's the, the basis of the story. And uh, as a matter of fact, Glenn Beck is in it, and I'm not really a big fan of Glenn Beck, but Glenn Beck is in the movie. He plays himself. And uh, the movie is really interesting. I was planning to see it, and then for some reason, I just decided, you know what? I went to see Super Mario. That was that was pretty good. And I was going to go see uh, The Pope's Exorcist. And I just decided, I don't think I'm going to go see that anytime soon. Maybe when it, 
it's out of the theater. And I was trying to find something else to watch. Uh, Bew or Bo is Afraid, uh, that new movie from the people that did Midsummer, uh, who did Heredity. I think that's what, A24, the company. So I really want, I do want to see that, but that's like three hours. So I, I haven't had time recently to go see it. So Nefarious is like 90 minutes. And I was, I, I, I had, because, you know, I had that issue where I had to go to the hospital about a week and a, a week or so ago. Um, and I'm okay. I've just got a SVT, supraventricular tachycardia. And I think I've got like an electrolyte imbalance and anxiety and stress get to me and my heart starts racing and I have to try to slow it down. And so I really haven't had time to do anything. And I thought, you know, I, I probably should go see a movie to relax. <laughs> Nefarious was not the movie to go see to relax, though. Uh, but I got a, a message from Clyde and he said, have you seen have you seen that movie yet? And I said, no, this was like two days ago. And so like when that happens, when someone says, hey, have you seen this? You should go. See I'm like, eh, OK, I guess I'll go see it because I was planning on it anyway. And Clyde told me, he said, make sure that you pay really close attention to the movie and especially the end, you know, the end credits. Once those are rolled all the way through, he said at the very end, he said, listen, and uh, you'll see why you and I, um, I guess, are ahead of the, the curve here on late night radio. So I went to see the movie and I, I actually thought it was pretty good. Um, yes, there's a Christian angle, very strong Christian angle to it. Uh, but even if you're not a Christian and I'm not a Christian, um, it's very clear. It's very obvious to see that there is evil in the world. And it's very clear to see that there is evil operating a lot closer to you than you might think. And that's kind of the whole point of the movie, that evil is all around us. It's in unnoticed ways in modern life, and it's also in glaringly obvious manifestations. You know, evil is not just a, a pitchfork and a, uh, a tail and some horns. Evil is also angelic. And evil comes in the form of offering you things and tempting you with things that lead you to damnation or at least lead you to a kind of hellish suffering. And that is also part of the movie, which is when I when I finished watching the movie, I thought I, I feel like I could have written this movie <laughs> or like Clyde and I could have written this movie. So it's in the movies basically to uh, summarize, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it's basic. It's based on a book. First of all, it's based on a novel, uh, but it's about a serial killer named Edward Wayne Brady. And he's required by the state of Oklahoma to receive this psychiatric evaluation before he takes his seat on the electric chair. He's going to be executed. And, and prior to this execution, he had been several times, he had been uh, slated to uh, be executed, but there was always something that got in the way. And it took like overwhelming evidence, massive, uh, uh, I guess, court battles and things just to get this guy to death row. It was like something preventing him from being executed. That was kind of how the movie starts. And that's kind of the whole, I'm not spoiling it. That's kind of the basis of, of the story. So this uh, psychiatrist comes in to evaluate him. And the psychiatrist, uh, Dr. James Martin, he is a, an atheist. And he doesn't really believe in the supernatural. He doesn't really believe in certainly believe in demons or angels or God or the devil or anything like that. He comes to provide uh, the serial killer with an impartial review. And the serial killer tells him that he's possessed by a demon named Nefarious. And uh, the dialogue is actually pretty good in the movie. 
and it's it's not it's not as cheesy as it might sound. And he says nefarious is the clo- nefarious or nefariosum or something like that. It's the closest to English, but he's a demon that's been around for thousands of years, and he's been. Um, I think I think he said the name come like he comes from Phoenicia, old ancient Phoenicia. So it, it has an interesting little bit of history to it as well, especially if you're into demons, I guess. And he explains that the process of demonic possession is not what you know, like a typical atheist or a typical, I mean, really even a typical Christian might think that possession is something where you're just walking down the street, something hits you and you're possessed by the devil. The demon makes it very clear that uh, the legion of, of hell, they rely on a series of yeses is what he calls them. A series of yeses in which you gradually acclimate yourself to the acceptance and to the normalization of evil. Uh, he says in the movie, we offer up a series of temptations gradually increasing in terms of duration and intensity, degrees of moral inequity. And the implication is that little tiny moral infractions like petty theft, even when you're a kid, uh, pave the way for larger misdeeds because they numb the heart and they numb your sense of right and wrong. And as a result of that, you end up doing things that are evil. You do things that are essentially the work of the devil without even realizing it. And I, I really thought that the dialogue was great. I, I mean, it's, it's certainly a cheesy movie. It certainly has a super Christian angle to it, which I didn't even know it was based on a book until I watched the credits. I, did, I didn't know that because it was, it was a lower budget movie, but it was still pretty well done. And um, I, I, I enjoyed it because... A lot of the things in that movie are things that I've, because again, I'm not a Christian, so I don't have that bias or that that intention to spread that, let's call it propaganda, for lack of a better word. But I agreed wholeheartedly with the dialogue in the movie because the demon tells this psychiatrist, he says, by the time you leave here, you'll have committed three murders. And again, it's kind of cheesy, but it's really interesting because the I, I didn't really see it as a twist. It's supposed to be a twist in the movie. But this, I'm not going to give it all away, but this guy had, had essentially had committed uh, already. He had committed one murder. He signed off on the death of his mother because, you know, she had some money and he was tired of taking care of her. And he justified it by saying, well, I, she was in pain, so I signed off on her death. And the demon said, well, you still killed her. You signed off on her death warrant. And then the, the demon somehow knows that this guy's girlfriend that same day is having an abortion. And I thought the best part of the movie, especially because I've talked about this before, being a circumstantialist on the subject of abortion, I'm a circumstantialist. I thought it was interesting that there was a very occult way that the movie was was written, even from a Christian point of view, because the demon tells the guy, he says, you know, in old days when people would offer up infants on the altar of Moloch, and if you're interested in that verse, it's in Leviticus 18.21. Ye, ye or you shall not give any of your offspring to offer them to Moloch, nor shall you profane the name of God. I am the Lord. So the demon says that abortion today is no different than the offering up of infants on the altar of Moloch. And he says they used to play music to drown out the screams and the crying so you wouldn't hear that. Or they'd have, you know, as well, they would have... Um, you know, maybe sweet smelling oils or incense. So you wouldn't smell the burning 
flesh. And that is, and he explains, because that is exactly what we do today. It's in a clinical setting and it's, it's isolated. It's not something that, you know, you don't see the process for women. They take the women back. They do the thing kind of like with birthing, even they kind of, everybody else is out of the room and then they incinerate the remains which is just like the fires of Moloch. And in fact, they, you know, I think it's more than just the fires of Moloch today. It would be one thing if you burned the, the remains, but it's another thing to, t- to sell the remains, which is what Planned Parenthood famously does. They sell the remains, which is why it's all just a, it's a, it's a racket because they sell the remains. They make money off the remains. They make money off the abortions. They make money off the abortion pills. And we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars because they sell, they use those abortion pills for other things too. So it's not about women's rights. I mean, it, it, it is a sacrificial, I mean, even if you think it's about women's rights, it's still a sacrificial ritual thing, which is a keen to Leviticus. It's a keen to uh, the fires of Moloch. And that's described in the movie as well. And then, of course, the third murder, you know, I'll, I'll let you see the movie to figure out what it is. But it's, it's just, it's a really interesting movie and it's actually good. It's a kind of thought provoking, uh, even if, again, you're not a, a Christian, it's a thought provoking thing. Especially because as the demon explains how possession works, it is a slow process of, he says, yeses that leads to, you know, he goes through the series of, you know, demonic, uh, there's like harassment and infestation. And then finally, possession is something where you've given the demon permission to inhabit your body. And he sort of tricks, the demon tricks the psychiatrist and uh, plays around with the idea of possession because he's trying to get the psychiatrist to agree as an as an atheist to share his story once you know the the, the murderer because the psychiatrist doesn't know the murderer whether he's possessed or not or if he's just uh, unable to be put to death because he's just kind of psychotic uh, so the demon is trying to trick him into taking this text that he wrote and uh, spreading it he calls it the dark gospel and then showing that once this man is killed, he will resurrect in somebody else, kind of like he calls him the carpenter, kind of like Jesus Christ. And he wants to spread that dark gospel by exploiting, and this is, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie too, exploiting the free will of human beings. God gives us free will because otherwise unconditional love to a creator is really cheap and, and fake if you don't have the free will to choose. So the demonic plot is to exploit the free will in order to get people to do really bad things, to usher in an era of darkness so the devil can become the, the complete master of, of, of all things, of the physical world, of the things that, that God created. And another thing in the movie that's really interesting is that the, uh, the, the, the demonic influence has a has a different side of, of, of the story that, that it tells about the period of the time of creation. And it's something that it's not new. So it's not, it's not a spoiler, but it's something that you can, it, when, if you were to watch this movie or I'll, I'll explain it to you here on the show, you can understand why there are a lot of very powerful people in the world who certainly have this view. And, and in fact, it's not just powerful people, uh, it's people that just tend to reject Christianity or to reject the idea of God. A lot of powerful people and a lot of just average everyday people have this belief. And I've even had uh, thoughts of this belief. It's very it's kind of philosophical. The idea of, of, of creation, right? And the idea that 
you know, the angels rebelled from God, the rebellion that became the fallen angels, demons, whatever you choose to call them. And then God in return created man and gave man dominion over the world. And so it is the, the goal of these demonic influences to take the free will of man and to draw them down into the bowels of hell and to take them away from the love of God because that's the battle between good and evil, uh, between heaven and hell. But the idea is that the, the demonic or the evil influences are not so demonic or evil. They're, they've actually been oppressed by God because they were created as angels to serve God and they refused to serve God. So they waged a war against God and tried to free themselves from God. And the demon even says, do what thou wilt, that shall be the whole of the law, which is very, uh, I've said on recent shows, it's very close to you only live once or you have a fear of missing out. These are modern versions of do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Do whatever you want to do anytime you want to do it, which is also my body, my choice, which is a justification also for rape, because if it's my body, I can do whatever I want with my body. So these are some of the ideas in the movie. Some of the uh, the concepts, um, if you're a Christian, you're familiar with them. If you listen to Ground Zero, if you listen to the secret teachings, you're familiar with them. And even especially probably if you're not a Christian and you listen to these shows, you're, you're familiar with them. Uh, there is evil in the world. Evil, as I've said so many times on this show, is an inversion of E-V-I-L, is an inversion of live, L-I-V-E. And even evil is an inversion of love because Love reversed is E-V-O-L, evil, evil. However you choose to pronounce it uh, doesn't have to be spelled the same. It has the same meaning in twilight language in terms of, let's call it um, in magical uh, language, evil, 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 evil. It's an inversion of love and it's an inversion of life, which is what the demonic forces try to do. They try to invert life. They try to uh, invert love. They want uh, people to suffer and be in pain and to offer up innocence on the demonic altar, uh, the altar of Malik, and they uh, bask in the sounds of the screaming and the terror and the smells of burning flesh of the of the infants offered up to that God. But I was so I, I watched this movie and I was I was trying to think if I could or if I should do a show on it right away, or if I should just just let it let it kind of boil in the background. And and I was looking through some news the other day, and I had already planned a show on the Mary or Mother Mary Mariana apparitions. Something in the news because the Pontifica Academia Marina Internationalis, or PAMI, uh, has recently announced an observatory. They're going to start investigating these Mariana apparitions in a little more detail and other claims of supernatural, uh, not miracles, but supernatural occurrences. So I had planned that, and that's a very religious, theological-like show. And then I saw this movie, Nefarious. And then just before I sat down to put the show together tonight, I came across this really interesting article And it's a local article, too, here in Arizona. There's a representative here in the state of Arizona named Stephanie Stahl Hamilton. I don't know if you saw her in the news. But she was captured on a security video. This is in Arizona. Removing 
more than one Bible from a table in the Congressional House Members Only Lounge and hiding it. An Arizona state lawmaker was captured on video snatching a Bible off of a table in the House Members Only Lounge before stashing it outside of camera view. The House of uh, Arizona House of Representatives was alerted about the mysterious disappearance of, of a pair of Bibles. She hid more than one uh, on March 23rd, which are normally left on display in the House's member only lounge, according to a state house source. Now, guests are allowed to use the lounge, but they're required to be escorted while inside. This wasn't a guest, though. This was a representative of the people of Arizona. So after being alerted to the biblical or the Bible disappearances, uh, the house security team started searching the lounge for the Bibles and found that they had been placed underneath of cushions of two different chairs. Nearly a week later, another Bible went missing from the lounge and was later discovered to have been moved and placed inside of a refrigerator in a nearby kitchen. As a result of the disappearing Bibles, the security team placed a temporary camera inside the lounge. The state house source said security cameras are placed throughout many communal areas in the house building, though the lounge was not one of those areas, so they put a camera in there. On April 10th, just a few weeks ago, when house members were in session, a third incident occurred, this time with the pair of Bibles in the lounge once again going missing from their location. So this pair of Bibles went missing on more than one occasion. On a, th- on a third occasion, uh, one of the Bibles ended up in the refrigerator. This, is a, this isn't some kid. This is a representative. This is a a congresswoman for the state of Arizona. The security camera captured Representative Stephanie Stahl-Hamilton, a Democrat and ordained Presbyterian minister, according to her bio, removing the books and hiding them under two sofas in the lounge. Stahl-Hamilton and her team did not respond to questions about the incident. In a video posted to Twitter by a reporter with CBS 5 in Arizona, the reporter approached Stahl Hamilton to ask her why she was hiding the Bibles. She declined to comment and instead ran away from the reporter. What a strange story. This is someone who's supposedly a Presbyterian minister and a representative of the people, a congresswoman, not just some aide or some, I don't know, some, uh, some security guard or somebody who's just in there cleaning up the lounge, some kind of a custodian. This is a representative of the people of Arizona, and she's, on more than one occasion, she's caught hiding Bibles. She doesn't want to see the Bibles out. I mean, that's almost like some kind of movie about demons or demonic possession, and they, 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 they have to hide the crosses or hide the religious symbols because the demon freaks out. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just saw Nefarious and I, wa- I was looking through the news and I'm watching some of the stuff online and I see this story. This woman's hiding Bible. This is a congresswoman. She's hiding Bibles. She can't stand to look at the Bibles. I'm sorry. I don't care what your religious conviction is. There are a lot of religions I disagree with, but I've never gone to a bookstore and hid uh, books that like Bibles or Bhagavad Gita or the Quran. I've, I mean, I've replaced uh, Aleister Crowley books on display with like a Manly Hall book, but I don't hide the Aleister Crowley books. Someone is so repulsed by the Bible that they hide it. Oh, there's something very strange there. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Stay with us. We'll be back.
From parahistory and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium options. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Hello folks, this is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. I hope you find it enlightening. I was just reminded at break of the video of Chuck Schumer talking to an invisible entity in his chair in the house chamber. I don't know if you've ever seen this. I can't show it to you, obviously, because this is a radio show. But just type in Chuck Schumer talks to invisible entity or talks to empty seat. And you can watch him very clearly talking to something that is not physically visible or present. And I've said for a very long time on The Secret Teachings, and I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, I don't care if you're a Christian by title or if you're an atheist, there are people in positions of power that are possessed and influenced by very dark forces, and if not dark forces, at least unseen forces. And when you look at their faces physically, they've done evil and they've done terrible things for so long that they begin to look like a demon. They begin to look like they opened the Ark of the Covenant. There's a really great book called The Magus by Francis Barrett. And I'd highly recommend this book to you if you've never read anything about magic or occultism I'd highly recommend you get this book and you read it. It's a very interesting book. 
and there's a there's a section in this book about demons and about facial expressions and about how when you do and act in certain ways your facial expression begins to change and as your facial expression begins to change this throughout history has been the the basis the core the foundation the pillar the uh the, the structure by which the idea and the concept and the depictions of demons have been, have been based off of. You know, if you look at someone who is, for example, a, a thief or a thug, they all tend to have a very similar facial expression. It's like nobody is home. It's kind of void. When you look at someone who's into children, child pornography, maybe human trafficking, they all seem to have a slightly, and this is my interpretation, I think they all have a slightly similar face, but I, I feel that most of those those kinds of people seem to have a slightly less uh, rugged uh, facial expression. It almost is childlike or undeveloped. And I think you see this with any kind of horrific crime or any kind of violation of just the most basic forms of human decency People that do certain things have very similar facial expressions. They tend to look the same. And I think that's because the evil that they do is physically manifesting. Now, this isn't just a supernatural thing. This is also a psychological thing. This is also a physical thing. This deals with human anatomy and how the brain and the mind work. It's pretty well accepted that we hold trauma in our body. We hold experiences in our body, good and bad. You ever smelt something that reminds you of your grandma, right? And maybe, maybe hopefully you liked your grandma and you smell something that reminds you of your grandma and you have a good feeling, a warm feeling inside. You have this association with scent or you have an association, if not with smell, maybe with sound. You hear certain songs that make you happy, certain songs that make you sad. You associate them with something. Maybe that's the same with a movie or maybe it's a TV show, something nostalgic. This is how the body, the mind, the soul, this is how it functions. And it's hitting on the, the emotional center. It's hitting on the physical senses centers. It's hitting on the center of the mind. But this is also how demonic expression is, well, is expressed. This is how these things come through us. Someone who does good, for lack of a better word, they tend not to look super evil. Then you have someone like Governor Newsom in California who looks like the Antichrist, and no matter how suave he looks or how he slicks his hair back, if you have a soul, you can look at that man, and I don't care if he's a Republican or a Democrat, and you can tell this person is the manifestation he's not a person who's been possessed by a devil or a demon he is a demon incarnate walking on the face of this earth there is something wrong with that man there is something wrong with chuck schumer there is something wrong with mitch mcconnell there is something wrong with nancy pelosi there is something wrong with joe biden and it's not just dementia there is something wrong with these people there is something wrong with maxine waters there is something wrong with alexandria ocasio-cortez there is something wrong even with uh, um, with uh, McCarthy, there's something wrong with these people. And it's not just zealotry politically. 
there is something wrong and there is it, it's an idea, an ideology, a viewpoint that is possessing these people. And they, as far as I'm concerned, are expressions, manifestations of evil. In fact, I told the story at the end of the last segment, something I found right before the show tonight. I found this earlier today. Arizona state lawmaker. This is a congressional member, a representative of the people of Arizona. This, is, this woman is not a staffer. She's not a custodian. She's not someone who broke into, uh, into Congress. Arizona Representative Stephanie Stahl Hamilton was captured on video. There's video of it. You can watch it. Removing a Bible from a table in the House Members Only Lounge and stashing it away so that nobody could see it. There were at least three reported incidences of this. Multiple Bibles went missing. They were found under chairs or couches. One of them was, this is the just so bizarre, one of them was placed in a refrigerator, which is sort of ironic and really weird unless you understand the history of hell. Hell is an ice palace. What more appropriate place to put a Bible if you did not want it out and visible than to place it in an, in an ice box? They literally placed the Bible in the refrigerator. I mean, how weird is that? And to do it multiple times. I mean, you, you could say maybe, maybe the first time she just moved it out of the way she needed the table. Well, if you're going to do that, just move it to the side. Why would you put it underneath of a couch or chair cushion? I've never moved something off a table and said, you know what, I think I'll put this in the refrigerator. That makes more sense. I'll put this... I'll put this uh, <laughs> I'll put this stack of papers in the fridge. I need more room on my desk. I mean, you can make your own mind up. You can determine what you want to make out of this, but there's something wrong here. The name of the representative again, Stephanie Stahl Hamilton. And the stranger thing is that she's a Presbyterian minister. Maybe she didn't like the kind of Bible it was. There's all kinds of translations. So she put the Bible in the refrigerator. Maybe she knew people would go to the refrigerator a lot to get, you know, snacks. They go there once a day for lunch. They'll see the Bible if, if she puts it there. Yeah, why'd she put it under the couch cushion? That, that is so weird. So strange. And yes, if you're asking, she is a Democrat as well. I don't know what to make of that. And it's not like she did it for publicity because we can assume she knew most of the people that um, that use this lounge know that there's no cameras, reportedly no cameras. So they would have she would have known that she was not on camera. But the, when these Bibles went missing, the security teams there, they actually decided we should put up some cameras. So then they put up the cameras and they caught her hiding the Bible and in broad daylight too. There's like people walking by and she's hiding these Bibles like Easter eggs or something. That is a strange, strange story. There is something wrong there and there is something wrong with that woman. There's also something wrong with our governor here. There's something just not right about her. I mean, that is, that is not a human being in that body. There is something wrong with that person. And that's the thing that really, I hear my own words. I, I can hear myself talk. 
if, if you're wondering if, if I can or not. And I hear how that makes me sound. I hear how that makes me sound like a religious nut or a political zealot. But remember, I'm talking about politicians on the right as well. You see how hollow George Bush is? You see how hollow people on the right and left are? You see how hollow these people are? How nobody's really home? There's something wrong there. There's something, for lack of a better word, demonic there. There's something evil there. There's some kind of evil present there. I watched the movie Nefarious last night, and I thought it was, uh, I think, my favorite part of the movie, especially because it's part of my new book, Liberty Shrugged, which you can get a copy at thesecretteachings.info. The psychiatrist who's interviewing this serial killer in the movie says that we've made all this great progress as a society, right? And we've done all these wonderful things. We've accomplished uh, more literacy. We're ending racism and gender equality, and we're creating diversity, and we're eliminating hate speech. And the demon claps back and says, you have professional athletes of color making $30 million a year crying racism while they're wearing shoes that were made by slaves. You have more slaves in your world today than the Roman Empire had at its height of power. And half of them are sex slaves. He said, you can brag about literacy, but most of the people that are graduating from high school can't read at a high school level because we keep reducing the, the bar. And then there's kind of a, a funny little piece where the demon says, in hate speech, you invented that. The de- we didn't even invent that. You guys did that all on your own. We've desensitized you so you can't see evil in front of your face. You know, these, these things are clearly, there's clearly a political angle and uh, a religious angle in, in that movie, Nefarious. But it's, it's, uh, it's a really good movie still, and it really makes you think. And again, I watched that movie, and then I saw this state representative hiding these Bibles, and it really got the gears turning. It really got the gears working. And I started to think of to think of a lot of things and I kind of forgot the whole reason that I had went to I was going to go see the movie I decided not to and then Clyde had messaged me and said hey have you seen this movie and I thought well that's synchronistic I probably should go see it and I kind of forgot the whole reason I'd gone to see the movie was to um, see what Clyde was talking about he said that there's something there's a couple things in the movie but particularly something at the end of the movie up to the credits roll that'll really stand out to you he didn't tell me what it was and so I watched it and I, re- I realized in the movie what it was. And then at the very end, they had uh, the demon spoke at the very end of the credits and says, many, many, takele parson. Many, many, takele parson. Now, some of you might know what that means. Some of you might have a really good memory and remember some shows that we've done on The Secret Teachings, some shows Clyde's done on Ground Zero, and some shows we've done together about many, many takele parson. And there are a couple ways to spell it. There's many, many takele uparsin, and there's many, many takele parson. I'm looking at the new international version of the Bible for that, uh, that statement. And these are what the words mean according to the book of Daniel, Daniel 5, 25 through 
28. This is the inscription that was written, the writing on the wall. Mene, mene, tekel parson. Here's what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighted on the scales and found wanting. Parson or Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. This is the story of Belshazzar's kingdom. And Daniel, who's a dream interpreter, among other things, who is brought in to read the writing on the wall. Many, many tickled parson. Now, that is a phrase, interestingly, that is or was given to Clyde and myself in completely different sessions with a Ouija board by a character, spirit, whatever you choose to call it, who went by the name Dr. Helldor, or people interpreted that as an actual name, uh, doctor of the human condition, not a real doctor. Helldor could just be a clever play on words, or it could mean a door to hell, a gateway to hell, which could also, you can interpret that in a lot of ways, uh, Dr. Heldor, a, a doctor of the human condition, the spirit says to us on the boards, a spirit of, um, or a doctor of human condition, the human condition. And what is the human condition? It's free will and the struggle with free will, the struggle between good and evil. And free will is really a gateway or a doorway to hell if we don't understand what our free will is and how some demonic forces in particular try to manipulate that free will to drive us away from what is good, which is the whole point of the movie Nefarious, which is really, really weird because the Ouija board sessions that Clyde and I did many years ago, this was years ago, I can't even remember, it was like 2018, 19, like we're talking a couple, several years ago. So these, uh, these things that came through the board... Um, really interesting. It's like it's the basis of this Hollywood rendition of, of a book called A Nefarious Plot. And in the movie, they, they use the many, many tickled parson. And it's, it's kind of the basis of, uh, of the demonic agenda or demonic conspiracy to use the free will that God gave man to overthrow the kingdom of man and to drag the souls of man down into suffering in the bowels of hell. Many, many tickled parson, the writing on the wall. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. You have been weighted on the scales and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided. All things that could apply to the kingdom of man. Your reign is at an end. And this is, again, something that came through the Ouija board to both Clyde and I, among many other things. And Dr. Heldor, the spirit, or what it identified as, said that it was a doctor of the human condition. And what is the human condition? The human condition is free will and the struggle between right and wrong, good and evil. So that was pretty profound to me. That was pretty powerful. I considered that extremely synchronistic and it led me to formulate and to put together tonight's show and also 
because I had already planned this, I thought that it fit in very nicely with something else that I was already planning to talk about, and that is the subject or the topic of Mariana apparitions. Apparitions of the mother of God. These are, I don't want to say common, but they're common enough that for hundreds of years the church has investigated these apparitions. And the, I mean, they date back hundreds of years and all over the world. One of the famous apparitions occurred in 1917 in Fatima, Portugal, where three children claimed that the Virgin Mary had visited them several times. Our Lady of Guadalupe on a cloak in Mexico City has also been revered as Catholics as a miracle confirming Mary's appearance to a peasant named Juan uh, Juan Diego in 1531. Our Lady of Guadalupe and the Fatima Portugal, probably the most famous Mariana apparition. These things have, there's probably some of the most famous, these things have been going on since uh, I found a case in 1858 in France, Bernadette Soboris, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the last name right. uh, The Mariana apparition appeared to her, the Mother Mary appeared to her in a grotto or a cave. And there are plenty of these cases, that's more recent, there are plenty of these cases that go back uh, hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, 1578 in Poland, a man named Thomas Michalik was visited by the Mother of God in a forest. There's another one that goes back to 40 A.D. in Spain. And um, Apostle James, the the, what was the guy's name? James the Great or James the Greater uh, reportedly had seen an apparition of the Mother Mary. Obviously, in 40 A.D., Spain wasn't a country, but in that region of, of the world. Uh, in Ecuador, Lithuania, lots of cases in France. Um, some cases, of course, in Italy, not as many as you might think. Uh, there's cases in, in the States as well, Wisconsin, uh, the Netherlands, several in Egypt. You, know, you, you, you don't just have the Mariana apparitions, you also have the weeping statues. The weeping statues that cry blood or oil or other scented liquids. I've actually seen one of these. Not a weeping statue, but an apparition. And I'm not sure if you'd call it an apparition so much as you'd call it a, a, a water stain, let's say. Uh, but in Clearwater, Florida, which is where I grew up, uh, Our Lady of Clearwater, December 17th, 1996, just off US 19. I actually went to see that when I was a kid. It's on the side of a building. And there was, um, they had a whole like shrine set up to, to Mary. Uh, there's also a really, really funny episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they, they have a water stain in the bar and uh, Danny DeVito's character, Frank, decides, he's like, we don't know if it's a miracle or if it's BS, but we do know is it's a it's a gold mine. And then they start selling, <laughs> basically selling the space for people to come in and see the water stain. So a lot of these apparitions and weeping statues, a lot of the stuff is fake. There have been cases where people put their own blood on the statue. And I mean, do, do people actually think that the church isn't going to investigate that and like do do a, an analysis and find that it's that it's not real? People just, I guess, just want the publicity. So the church doesn't always just confirm an apparition. 
and they don't always confirm a weeping statue is a miracle. They do an investigation. And recently, the Pontifica Academia Mariana Internationalis, or PAMI, has announced an observatory that has been put into put into force or put into creation to investigate claims of appearances of the Virgin Mary and reports of statues of her weeping oil and blood. This announcement extends Pammy's mission of promoting devotion to Mary and the study of phenomena related to her. They're waiting for Vatican approval, but their intention, their goal is to study a lot of different mystical phenomena along with church authorities uh, to try to determine if those cases that they're investigating are real or not. So it's kind of like a real-life version of the TV show Evil. It's a group of uh, professionals that are going to investigate claims of uh, supernatural or mystical phenomena. Where can I sign up for this job? (laughs) Some of you might be thinking the same thing. Do I have to be a member of the church? Can I just send my resume in to the Vatican? How do I get this job? I I want this job. Uh, As I said, there's a lot of famous cases of the weeping statues and of the apparitions, but there are also a lot of very famous cases of fraud. And this is something that I actually think we should notify the Catholic Church, like immediately, of an individual named David Wilcock. I think we should talk to uh, the Catholic Church about investigating David Wilcock's claims of channeling the most powerful angel in the hierarchy of angels named Michael, who fights with the devil who fights with Satan. I think we should contact the Catholic Church about David Wilcock. What do you think? I'm actually going to do that. I'm going to contact, I'm going to find out who I should contact, and I'm going to contact the Catholic Church to do an investigation of David Wilcock because this man is claiming that he is speaking to the Archangel Michael who is telling him to sell prophecy for a very high premium price, to sell his books that the Archangel is helping him write for a very high cost. And that cost isn't just financial, it's also in the faith that you have to put into a man who claims without evidence or proof or any kind of credibility whatsoever that he's speaking to not an angel, but the most powerful angel who also ironically tells him to bathe in his own urine, which is not something that an angel would do. It's something that a demon would tell you to do. It's something that the demon Belphegor might tell you to do. Bathe in your own urine as a sacrament to me. And then I will give you information that you can sell to make a worldly profit. That just doesn't sound like the Archangel Michael. I'm sorry. <laughs> and the Catholic Church, I'm serious. The Ca- I, I'm dead serious. The Catholic Church needs to investigate David Wilcock or anybody else making those kinds of claims. Especially when you have such a history of ludicrous ideas and and um, predictions that never come true. He's a man who never, ever, ever prophesied anything that came true. And now this false prophet is claiming he's talking to the archangel Michael. And that's the thing, too. Uh, to the credibility of the Catholic Church, they don't just rubber stamp every incident, every case, if the Catholic Church has any credibility. And supernatural occurrences, especially for people like myself who are interested in those things, you know, real paranormal investigations, they don't just rubber stamp everything. In fact, most of the time, possession, uh, 
hauntings in your house, things like that. It's like 90 plus percent of the time. It's, it's your imagination. It's, it's what you are, are imagining to happen. It's things you're hearing, you're misinterpreting, misunderstanding. You don't know where a noise is coming from. It's not demons. It's not the devil. It's not an apparition. It's something that you imagine. Uh, and it's not, it's not real. And uh, when you have people taking advantage of these powerful supernatural things, maybe we don't need to have the Catholic Church investigate because there will be divine wrath probably handed out to people like Mr. Wilcock. But in all seriousness, we need to contact the Catholic Church and have them investigate his claims of contact with the Archangel Michael. Maybe that's why that statue in Colorado where David Wilcock lives was crying blood right before the invasion of Ukraine, which is watched over by Michael the Archangel. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. www.thesecretteachings.info. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. From the occult and theology to history and the paranormal, The Secret Teachings Radio Show brings you that and more Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages my digital books and more for those of you who already have a secret teaching subscription you can still keep that subscription just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today I need it. this is david ike and you are listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before president business is going to use the crackle to end the world president business is going to end the world but he's such a good guy and octan they make good stuff music dairy products coffee tv shows surveillance systems all history books voting machines wait a minute welcome to the darkness the secret teachings radio show is on facebook and twitter just search facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings to like us and tst underscore underscore radio to tweet with us think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl up to the fall back to me 
Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable thank you so much for joining us this morning this afternoon tonight whenever and wherever you are listening around the world this is the microscope and the telescope the microcosm and the macrocosm using history and esotericism occultism symbolism mythology theology etc to examine both history and contemporary events That is our intention to do so and to do those things with objectivity to the best of our abilities here Monday through Friday, five nights a week. We are listener supported and you can listen without actually having to pay financially. You can just listen to the free archive and we get paid when you listen. It doesn't cost you anything but time and you still get the show for free. You just have to listen to some uh, some annoying advertisements. You can listen on any radio or podcast player or find the links and or an embedded player at www.thesecretteachings.info. I hope that you understand when I say that you are the reason that we are on the air. If you do not listen to those shows for free or buy a book or subscribe at aftermath.media, we can no longer do this show. And I don't want to be hyperbolic about it. I only say that a few times a week, but that is the honest to God's truth. Without your support, we cannot continue to do what we do. And uh, particularly because we don't have all these sponsors and people that pay us a bunch of money. I actually am kind of, I'm kind of awed. We've done this for so long and are so well known. And yet I know people that, two or three people that have started podcasts, just started podcasts for the first time. And they have advertisers reaching out to them. (laughs) I guess, I guess this show is not, as marketable, uh, or maybe it's because of the things, or maybe it's because of my demeanor, the things we talk about, it's it's not marketable to people. Maybe if I told people, I'm a Christian, I'm this, I'm a conservative, you know, vote for Trump, uh, QAnon's real, uh, Pizzagate's, I mean, if I told people that, I would be able to get the advertisements. But I don't think that that is um, an honest thing to do because I don't believe those things. And I have a slightly different view on those types of things. I also have a slightly different view on what it means to be good and what it means to be evil. In some capacity, those are societal constructs, but there really is good in the world and there really is evil in the world. What is good, if you take an O away, you get God, of course, but what is good is wisdom, righteousness, dominion, devotion, totality, and salvation. That's what it means to be good, or that's... Those are the things that are good. Evil, add a D, you get devil. Reverse it, you get L-I-V-E. Or you can spell it E-V-O-L, evil, which is a reverse of love. Evil is anarchy, presumption, destruction, decay, fury, and apostasy. And I would actually say 
politically speaking, anarchy, apostasy, which is the abandonment of religion and politics altogether, presumption, just making presumptions, destruction, decay, and fury. Those are the six pillars of the forces that are guiding not only uh, certain political-esque movements like communism, but also guiding things like the Great Reset. It is anarchy, apostasy, presumption, destruction, decay, and fury. You can see these things at every level and every sector of our society and of our culture, of human civilization all over the world. And those are evil, evil things. And we've abandoned not only politics and religion, we've abandoned wisdom. We mock salvation, righteousness, dominion, devotion, and totality. All the things that are good, we mock them. We criticize them, laugh at them. We find them to be repulsive even. There's a state legislator here in the state of Arizona. And that state legislator literally was caught on video apparently having a, a meltdown because there were Bibles. This is you. There's video of this. Bibles, like the best-selling book of all time. Bibles in the uh, Arizona State House Members Only Lounge. She literally hid the Bibles that were on the table. And not only did she hide them, but after she hid them and security got suspicious, they installed cameras in this lounge and they caught her hiding the Bibles. She actually placed one in the refrigerator. Which unless you're a theologian or you're a literary scholar, you might not understand the significance of putting the Bible in the refrigerator. Putting the Bible in the refrigerator is a pretty dark indication that this representative Arizona State Congresswoman Stephanie Stahl Hamilton was not motivated by some form of political activism, or it could just be coincidental. She knew, she knows, she is supposedly a Presbyterian minister, so she probably does know, that traditionally, hell is a ice palace. In fact, the devil is usually shown in old depictions in a block of ice. And that's what a refrigerator is. It's an ice box, ice palace, ice box. And that's what a freezer used to be, too. They used to just put a big block of ice in this box, chill chest, ice box, a big block of ice. So that's where this representative chose to put the Bible to hide it from people. What is wrong with this person? Even if you're not a Christian, who just starts hiding Bibles like she can't. I'm surprised she didn't burst into flames when she touched them. Maybe she got burns on her fingertips. That's just such a weird story. I keep coming back to that. It's so bizarre. Why would someone? It's not a. She's not an aide. She's not like a security guard or some activist who broke into the Capitol. They never tell you about that, by the way. All those abortion activists literally assaulted police and, and violently attacked the Arizona State Capitol. Hardly any news coverage of that, though. Threatened representatives, etc. Tried to break the doors down into the Capitol. That, that was a real insurrection in the state of Arizona, but nobody cares about that. 
or this wasn't just some random person. This is a representative for the people of Arizona. And she's like hiding Bibles. And remember Chuck Schumer when he's talking to the invisible entity or the thing in the chair telling it to move, get out of the way. <laughs> something's, something's afoot, folks. That Chuck Schumer story was from a while ago, too. That was like years ago that happened. It's kind of like Joe Biden. You know, he sees the same invisible things. He's shaking hands with invisible entities on stage. My name is Legion. My name is Legion. Jesus asks, what is your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. They are many. They're in the halls of Congress. They're in the executive branch. They're in the judicial branch. They're all in and around our government, our media, Hollywood, etc. You know, things are actually so, for lack of a better word, demonically influencing that even Newsweek and other liberal publications have recently been reporting that Hollywood is obsessed with Satan. We, we did a show on this a couple months ago. Newsweek published an article that said like something to the effect of, you know, the devil or demons are like big business in Hollywood. Like they're just completely and not about making movies to that are objective or religiously themed movies, but just like promoting and advocating for the most evil, perverse, demonic, evil, demonic, devilish, satanic things. And like when Newsweek is reporting that something's wrong, <laughs> something's wrong if Newsweek's reporting that. I mean, even even that conservative co commentator, what's the guy, the Jewish guy, um, Shapiro, even he said, I mean, he's as right wing as you can get. He's like, what is with these people on the left in particular that are just like obsessed with tentacle monsters? <laughs> He said that he said that when they put up that Ruth Bader Ginsburg statue. And I was like, oh, so even the, he recognizes that. What is it with these people? They're obsessed with tentacle monsters. What is that? Lovecraft opened a doorway to something. The Trinity bomb opened a doorway to something. Experiments and channelings and things like that, that, that the the esoterica of the Nazi party were dabbling in. That opened the doorway to something. The godlessness of communism opened the door to something. I don't know what it is, but it opened the door to something. Uh, that's anarchy, apostasy, presumption, destruction, decay, and fury. Those are the descriptions of evil. And you know, an angel on the opposite side, an angel as opposed to a demon, an angel comes from the name comes from the Greek angelos, which means messenger. And you get L in angel or in angelos or angelos. L is like Elohim, gospel, chapel, and so many other things. Electricity, energy, except, you know, like the energy, the currency, the money. Uh, and when you, when you study like, theology or you study demonology or you study angels or something like that you start to realize that um, obviously there are uh, almost I, I'd say almost uh, all of this stuff is is metaphor but there are also things that are very 
I would, I think for lack of a better word, let's call them, they are chemical, they are physical, they are uh, about the anatomy of the body. You know, we hold trauma in the body. We hold um, experiences in the body. Just like when you smell something and you have a good memory associated with that scent, you have a, a memory uh, and that's something that's held in the body and the brain and the mind. And when you smell that thing that reminds you of whatever, or you listen to that song that reminds you of whatever, it has this positive influence and it might relax you and make you feel at home or whatever the case is. Well, this is how demons manifest. Demons or whatever you want to call them, they are expressions of certain forms of evil. You know, Each demon has things that they teach each demon is also a manifestation of, of certain things like, uh, you know, the, the father of lies, right? The liar, the deceiver, the manipulator. Uh, other demons, there are demons of lust. There are demons of um, defiling. There are demons of all sorts of different things. And Solomon being able to control the demons, you know, the famous story of Solomon controlling the demons. Uh, this is, in essence, you could interpret this in a lot of ways. I interpret it on the surface as being a control that Solomon has been able to exercise over his own inner demons. These are the little demons that sit on our shoulder and tell us to do things that we know we shouldn't do, that encourage us and tempt us to do things that we know are wrong, but we do them anyway. And this is the kind of like the theme of the movie Nefarious. I mentioned I've seen, I saw the movie Nefarious last night, where Nefarious, the demon uh, legion, says that, they don't just take possession of people, but they rely on a series of yeses in which an individual gradually acclimates themselves to the normalization of evil. They offer up a series of temptations, gradually increasing in terms of duration and intensity until they give themselves over entirely to evil. And there are a lot of little pieces of dialogue in the movie that I, I thought were really good. They actually kind of sounded like stuff I've said on the show before. In fact, there's one thing that was like, I've, I've made, been making the argument for a long time and about abortion literally just being a sacrament, just like offering your children in Leviticus to, uh, to Moloch and how we, we drown out the screams and we burn the bodies. And <laughs> it's literally, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I am like ironically laughing because it's so obvious that it's the continuation of an ancient not just human, but infanticide. It's the continuation of an ancient practice of infanticide and ritual killing of the innocent. In fact, look at what the state of California has wanted. I don't know if they do this in all the schools, but has wanted to do for young children. They want them to chant the names or chant the name of an Aztec god uh, or other gods as well, who is the god of, of, of illusion, of deception, of lies, because it's supposed to be about decolonizing California. But that doesn't make any sense, because if you wanted children to learn about those things, teach them about Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl stopped the human sacrifice. Quetzalcoatl brought civilization. Quetzalcoatl, Veracocha, they were civilizers. They stopped the human sacrifice. They stopped the animal sacrifice. Why would you want kids to repeat and chant in like an incantation in school the name, the goddess Tezquitlipoca, 
to chant the name of a God who is the God of deception, the God of lies, the God of smoking mirrors, as he's called. That doesn't make any sense until you realize that it's intentional and it's not an accident and someone just someone just made a mistake. Oh, we we picked we just picked a random God. Or you picked a powerful God of deception and human sacrifice. You basically picked the devil, you picked Satan, you picked which, you know, is is basically um the devil is a name for poison, the the accuser, the seducer, the destroy it, ha satan, uh mashit, uh the the Kabbalists ascribe names to uh, different angels. Samuel in the Hebrew, uh, I believe it translates to poison or the poison um, messenger, the messenger of poison, the messenger of lies. There's a lot of different translations. So you want kids to chant the name of that of that deity. And Newsweek even is acknowledging that there's just this demonic, satanic influence. I mean, there are people like, I mean, from Chris Pratt to Rain Wilson that have said, and I thought Rain Wilson was like an atheist, who have said Hollywood is just like, it's not only that they have their own viewpoints, which they're entitled to have their own viewpoints, whether political, religious, whatever, but it's like they're completely uh, rabid and obsessed with hating God. And you know, that's, the, that's the thing that doesn't make any sense. It's like, even if you are not religious, I mean, even if you're an atheist, that doesn't mean you have to like, make it your life's goal to hate God. I mean, that kind of implies that you believe God exists. You believe it takes so much effort and energy to combat that concept or that idea. You spend your whole life, you spend every waking moment hating and having this like, just this vile uh, response to anything that is considered holy or divine, but you don't actually believe in those things. I mean, that's not, that's, see, that's the thing, that's not even when an, an atheist doesn't even act that way. If you have this, this, this nefarious attitude about God, there is something wrong with you. And it's not, uh, it's, it's not that you have a different viewpoint than me. I mean, if you're an atheist, you know, or I've even met Satanists who don't believe those kinds of things. They're not actively engaged in trying to bring God down. So it's, confu- it's confusing to me as someone who studies these things to see this culturally, this cultural trend where from media to movies to TV shows to politics to education in school, it's like everything is geared towards not just dismissing or demeaning the idea of God or the idea of, of, of creation or whatever, but like finding ways to get young people in particular actively engaged in a war where they are they're engaging with the idea of creation. They're engaging with the idea of God to tear it down, to mock it, and to abuse it. And that is weird. I mean, at the very least, that is weird. There is a certainly a nefarious plot. Certainly a nefarious plot that is responsible for this. And it can, I don't think, I don't think that it is a, an entirely human creation. I believe that there are forces that are beyond the physical, that are influencing people to, to act and to do these things. And it's becoming so naked that you do not have to be religious. Certainly don't have to be an atheist. You don't have to be anything to, to recognize this battle or whatever you choose to call it, this conflict between 
well, wisdom and salvation and devotion and anarchy, destruction, decay, and apostasy. It's all around us. Hollywood, media, politics, education, it's in everything. Absolutely everything. Everything you interact with, everything you see, evil is all around us. And it's in ways that are glaringly obvious. It's in ways that are obviously unnoticed, but that are becoming more and more obvious. That movie Nefarious, yes, it's based on a book. Yes, it has a very Christian angle. But very interesting things were said in the movie that really make you think. The way that demonic possession was described as a way that is a lot different than what we typically think of with demonic possession where temptations are offered and you are deceived and tricked into letting the devil in or to letting the demon in thinking that you're doing the right thing thinking that you're doing something to help somebody else thinking that you're doing something to that you think is righteous even when it's really profane it's destructive when it's really an abandonment of all the good things, when it's really apostasy. I mean, I, I actually really enjoyed that movie because, you know, because of uh, the dialogue in particular. And it's really hard to make a movie that's kind of like a log cabin setting where it's all done in the same location. Most of the movies in one, one room. Uh, and I, I thought it was really good. And the other thing is I went to see that movie because at the end of the movie, I was told to stay through the credits and I would, I would hear something interesting that was also mentioned in the movie. And I heard the, the, the demon speak at the very end and he said, many, many take a parson. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. You have been weighted on the scales and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided. This is the story, of course, in the book of Daniel, the writing on the wall, Belshazzar's kingdom. Uh, bringing Daniel in to interpret the writing on the wall, the dream interpreter as well. Daniel was then clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That's Daniel 5, 25 through 29. For those of you who are looking for uh, the Moloch verse I mentioned earlier, it's Leviticus 18.21. And of course, uh, the legion, the demonic legion, Come out of this man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? Jesus asked. The demon says, my name is Legion, for we are many. That is Mark 5, 8 through 9. There is a, for lack of a better word, an evil, E-V-I-L, E-V-O-L force. And I, I really want you to, the reason I say that I'm not a Christian is because I, I don't uh, abide by institutional Christian doctrine um, or any institutional doctrine or dogma. I, if anything, um, I've told you that I tend to align myself with the practice of Shintoism, but I don't really consider myself having a religion, nor do I consider myself to have a spiritual practice, nor do I consider myself to be void of those things, certainly not void of those things. I'm a circumstantialist and a contextualist. I like to see information. I like to interact with things and I like to feel things for myself. And what I've discovered, and this is the thing I don't understand with some of you who are Christian listeners, and, and I'm, I'm speaking directly to you, people who get upset at me for saying those things. 
I feel like, if anything, you should be willing to hear what I have to say because I'm not one of you. I'm coming from another point of view, and I'm coming to the same conclusions that there is, and I have in the past. I'm not now coming to them, but I have in the past, that there are powerful, evil, dark forces. But that's not just because of what I've read and what I've interacted with. It's because of what I've experienced myself. I'll give you an example, actually. When I was writing my first, more like a PDF file for my show, and I was trying to get better at what I did in radio, I remember I had this terrifying uh, experience where I felt, and I could see, and I've had similar experiences since I was a kid, I could see these really dark, I don't know what to call them, very dark uh, Energies is really the best word I can use to describe it, almost like a a fuzzy, hazy, smoke-like blackness that um, was present. And I've seen that since I was a kid. Uh, It was very cold, long before I knew anything about any of this stuff. Um, On more than one occasion, this this is very cheesy but cliche, but this actually happened to me. I remember, in fact, long before I wrote anything, before I got into radio when I was in high school, I felt that presence... Uh, in the house that I was living in up in uh, West Virginia, in Morgantown. Uh, we were renting a house before we moved into the house that we were going to move into. We moved from Florida to West Virginia. And I remember one specific time I was going down to the basement, and the basement led to the the garage. And um, when I went down there, I felt this really strong, powerful, dark thing circle me, and the light bulb actually blew out, just like in a movie. And uh, then that years later, when I was starting to get into radio and I felt that this was my calling, I had another instance where that actually happened. I was in an office building in Orlando and I'm, believe me or not, I don't care if you believe me, I, cause I'm not, I'm not selling this to you. It's free to hear, free to listen, free. It's, I'm not charging you a price to listen to this. I remember watching not only did the power go out in this office building, but like the transformer next to the building blew. And uh, all the power went out. And uh, those were experiences I had two different times in my life. I felt the same dark presence. And I honestly even feel it, both symbolically and literally, I feel it day to day. And as a matter of fact, a friend of mine, who I'm really trying to get on the show, uh, she's one of the few people I believe is a legitimate medium. And uh, she actually the night that I went to the hospital, I couldn't get my heart to slow down. She texted me while I was in the hospital. I didn't see it until later saying, I feel that there's something wrong with you. And I feel that there's something following you and chasing you and it's trying to get into you, but you're not allowing it. You keep moving and you have positive intentions. She, I have the text message. She literally texted me that and she had no idea I was at the hospital. This was all within like a three hour span. So the, and and that's the feeling I've always had my whole life, and I've I've um, not told I've certainly never told her that I've never told a lot of people that that there is there is something that I think follows all of us, and that's a I think that's the lower self that draws us and pulls us down, and we're trying to run away from it. And if we're not careful, it can really can do damage. It can overtake us, and that's why you know the goal of magicians and alchemists is really to connect with the higher self on a hierarchy that is going up instead of being dragged down into the bowels of hell, which is both 
a state of mind and, well, according to the movie Nefarious, a physical place as well. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Last segment coming up after break. Don't go anywhere. From parahistory and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! Mene, mene, take old parson, Daniel 5, 25. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. You have been weighted or weighed on the scales and found wanting. This was mentioned many times in that movie I said I saw, Nefarious. I saw that movie last night. And it's also something that in relationship to the movie, which was about demonic legions, exploiting the free will of man to destroy God's creation. It's something that both myself and Clyde Lewis of Ground Zero were told by a spirit on the Ouija board. We were both on separate occasions across the country from each other, having the same interaction with the same deity, entity, spirit, etc. that went by the name Dr. Heldor. And when asked what kind of a doctor he or she was, it responded by saying, a doctor of the human condition. And the human condition really is willpower. It really is the ability of humans to choose between what is good and bad, what is right and wrong. 
what is essentially God and the devil. Now, this is something that we tend to chalk up to morality, right? The difference between being moral and immoral or amoral. Or the the ability of humans to make their own decisions, make their own choices, and to have free will to do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. But there are certain things that whether you consider them to be good, bad, right, wrong, you need to acknowledge are eerie and eerily similar to things in the past that certainly are evil or wrong or demonic. For example, if you read the book of Leviticus, Leviticus 18.21 says, and most of you probably are very aware of this quote, You shall not give any of your offspring to offer them to Moloch, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Do not give your children or offer your children up on the altar of Moloch. Now you can interpret that again, however you will. You can interpret that in the same way that you can interpret in Leviticus, you shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. You can interpret that however you want. That's not the point. The point is, in older days, in ancient times, babies were often used as a sacrificial offering during the construction of a building, a temple. Sometimes adults as well would be killed or buried alive under the structure, under the foundation of the wall of a town, city, etc. as a form of protective foundation and offering to the gods or goddesses. Now, the Catholic Church in particular, but Christianity in general, has also defamed and mocked and degraded and lied about a lot of cultures, claiming that they're all barbaric and that these pagan-like religions are all evil and that they sacrifice people and they have big orgies. And that is a thing that has happened in the past, but it also happens to this day. It happens in the 21st century. We might not bury children under the foundation of a building. We look back and think that's barbaric. We look back and think the Roman orgies were just debauchery. Even if you're not a Christian, you kind of think like, well, the Romans are known for having their big orgies. We like to think of ourselves in the 21st century as being immune to evil, immune to immorality, immune to amorality, immune to doing what is wrong. We have the best medication. We have the best drugs. We have the best vaccines. We have the best medical care. We have the best technology for communication, the best technology for social media. We have computers. We have artificial intelligence. We have new technologies that allow us to build buildings and make them stronger. And we have technology to make airplanes. And we have technology to do all sorts of things to run the internet. We have technology to do all sorts. So we're advanced. We don't practice the heathenistic sexual things that the Romans did or the sacrificial practices of 
the old world where they would throw infants into a burning fire as a sacrifice. We don't do those things today. We're civilized, damn it. Not only are we civilized, we're just above all that. We've progressed beyond all that. Because, you know, there is a difference between murder and killing. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not murder. Some people interpret that to mean the same thing. You can also find the, uh, the same commandment, if you will, in the Confessions of Mott, the Coming Forth by Day, which is the Egyptian Book of the Dead, also in the Colburn Bible. Uh, thou shall not kill. There is a difference between kill and murder. And there is also this distinction we try to make in our society today that when we're guilty of something, let's say, let's say we we have um, we have a desire to remain without children, so we use a pill or we use a medical procedure to abort a baby, and we justify it by saying that it's healthcare, it's modern medicine. It's women's rights. Now, in the old days, when they used to throw infants into a fire, we don't know exactly what the justifications were, but it was for an offering. It was for protection. It was a sacrifice in the same way that we would, in the past, bury babies or even people into the the wall, the foundation of a wall for a city or a temple. It was an offering for protection from something, from whatever. And that's why we have abortions, to protect our, our lives. We're not ready to be parents, or we don't have the money to be parents, or whatever the case is. I feel like Christians should really stand with me on this, but since I don't say I'm a Christian, Christians have an issue with me. I'm actually making your point, though, when it comes to being pro-life about certain things. And again, I'm a circumstantialist and a contextualist, but I do believe the modern practice of abortion, especially how it's justified with 21st century contemporary politically correct terminology, is no different than the fires of Moloch. It's no different than burying a baby under the foundation of a building because it'll provide us with protection. We're only killing the baby, we're only aborting the baby, or we're aborting the pregnancy because, you know, I'm not ready to be a mom or a dad yet. It's just inconvenient. I want to travel the world first. And I do believe that those are largely demonic influences. And I'm not, hold on a second. I'm not saying that a woman who's alone, who's very scared, who doesn't have any support and who's pregnant is feeling demonic influences because she wants to have an abortion. I'm saying the demonic influences led that woman to that place. Now, I'm not saying also that demonic influences make our decisions for us. I'm saying they're influences, just like there are positive influences. That's why marriage and relationships have always been a thing, to protect each other emotionally and physically and economically, financially, but also to protect when the woman gets pregnant, she has a child, to make sure that there's a family structure there for the child who's protected, for the woman, for the man. This is the reason we have these, these kinds of things in our society. It's not because we want to oppress one group or the other. Traditionally, people that are in relationships, even if they're not married, are far happier than people who are not. So there, there's a reason for those things. You know, I actually saw 
a trending statement on Twitter. What was it? Yeah, it was yesterday. And I honestly was going to do a whole show on it. And I decided I, I just, it's not worth it. It's so political and I don't want to get into it again. But people were saying the Supreme Court of the United States is corrupt. That was like the trending hashtag. Scott is, is corrupt or something like that. You, you might have seen this on Twitter. And one of the reasons they said that the Supreme Court was corrupt was because they tend to have a conservative agenda, which is so stupid. So what about when they have a liberal agenda? Are they not, they're not corrupt if they agree with you. See, that's that, that's that political, religious-like zealotry. But most people don't know how the Supreme Court works, right? The Supreme Court doesn't make laws. They don't even address an issue unless it's brought before them. A lot of people don't know that. They don't just pick things and choose things. Things are brought before them. They might pick and choose from what's brought before them, and they might have a, a certain angle or agenda, which is encouraged by the executive branch or the legislature, but they just interpret the law. Congress makes the law. The president can veto a bill. Congress can still override it. Same with governors and state legislatures. And some governors have you know line vetoes where they can veto certain things. So people don't know how the government works, and they think that because... There isn't an absolute direct line to what they want, that the system is corrupt. And that's the problem. That is a very distorted way to look at the world. People don't agree with me, so they're Nazis. People don't agree with me, so they're corrupt. And really, the people that believe that and, and think those things, they're the ones that are corrupt. Because they're implying, insinuating, and in some cases, actually stating outright that because the Supreme Court doesn't vote the way they want, they're corrupt. Meaning that if they voted the way they wanted, they wouldn't be accused of corruption, which would then be, because they're only voting one way, that would ultimately be corruption. There, there is powerful, whatever you choose to call it, I choose to call it evil, E-V-I-L, E-V-O-L, live and, eat and love. There's a powerful evil that is descending more and more on our society, on our culture, on our civilization. And it's not an evil that's cliche or an evil that is cheesy. It's not an evil from a movie. I've said this over and over again. When you eliminate the interaction that people have and the exposure that people have to God, you're not preventing people from becoming Christian or believing in God. It's what God represents. God is wisdom. God is balance. God is devotion. God is salvation. God is totality. When you take those things away, when you mock God and criticize God and you take those things away, there's a hole there that has to be filled. And the hole that's filled is with the opposite of those things, the opposite of wisdom, the opposite of righteousness, the opposite of dev devotion or salvation. You get anarchy. You get destruction and decay and fury. You get apostasy. Burn it all down. Burn the church. Burn the state. Burn the media. It's all corrupt. Burn it all down. Those are powerful dark forces that are engaged in a spiritual and physical form of warfare. There are also other versions of those dark forces which try to work through what could, for some people, be perceived as uh, divine interventions or miracles. Uh, things that are 
well, perceptually spiritual and filled with light and divinity, but are not. For example, the church, the Catholic church, is preparing to approve the Pontifica Academia Marina or Mariana Internationalis or PAMI, which has convened like an observatory to investigate claims of appearances of the Virgin Mary and reports of statues of her weeping oil and blood. They are going to, they're waiting for a Vatican approval, but they're going to train investigators to study mystical phenomena in cooperation with church authorities, trying to determine, for example, the substance of reported tears. Some of the most famous Mariana apparitions are Our Lady of Guadalupe on a cloak in Mexico City, proof of a miracle according to Catholics confirming Mary's appearance to the peasant Juan Diego in 1531. Probably the most famous case of a Mariana apparition is Fatima, Portugal, 1917. Three children said they saw the Virgin Mary and had, they, that she had visited them several times. Crowds drawn by the children's prophecy that Mary would reappear and perform a miracle reported seeing the sun dance in the sky. Very, very famous case. One of the most recent Mariana apparitions or Marianne apparitions that a Catholic bishop has declared worthy of belief was in Buenos Aires in Argentina in 2016. A local Catholic woman told her priest that visions had begun with rosary prayer beads glowing in multiple homes and progressed to Mary, warning her of humanity's self-destruction. I mean, obviously aliens tell us the same thing with UFO abductions. There's also a long history of weeping statues. A Madonna of Syracuse, Sicily, for example, a plaster statue that seems to shed or seem to shed tears. Investigators appointed by the church found that the liquid was chemically similar to human tears. Now, in other cases, you might think that this is these are made up, these are fabricated, and that is certainly the case. In a lot of cases, they are they are manufactured, they are made up, and we'll get to that in a second. Other weeping statues that have been reported and for lack of a better word, confirmed by the church, have occurred in Hungary and in Hobbes, New Mexico. Mary's tears have a a really significant um, symbology to Catholics. If you're a Catholic, I don't have to tell you that. Uh, She's often depicted crying over the sins of the world and the pain she endured in her earthly life. Her sorrows on earth are usually depicted by seven swords piercing her flaming heart. Now, there are other cases, as I said, that are fabricated or made up. And one of them is a very well-known case of an apparition that the Catholic Church rejected, the visions of Veronica Lueken, the Brooklyn Bayside seer who died in 1995. She reported a number of messages from Mary that concerned church authorities. Reportedly, in 1972, Mary had told her that the Pope was an imposter made to look like the true Pope, Paul VI, through plastic surgery. That's kind of like a kind of like a QAnon thing. And maybe she was right, and maybe the church had motivation to reject her claim. Same thing with the statues that are weeping. In two cases, statues that supposedly wept blood, one in Canada in 86, 1986, and in Italy in 2006, the blood turned out to be from the statue's owner. You can also inject liquids into the porous material of statues, and that later seeps out as tears. Oil that is mixed with fat can be applied to a statue's eyes 
which will weep with when the temperature rises. So there are ways to certainly fake these things. There are ways to certainly manufacture these things. So the church is on the lookout for imposters. And there is certainly an irony there because much of the church is based on, well, I'd say a bunch of apostates, as far as I'm concerned, imposter apostates, uh, people that are, are not really, not really, um, for lack of a better word again, church going to be nice. Uh, they are evil. There is an evil that permeates in the church as there is in the halls of Congress and in the White House and in all the other major centers of power around the world. There's also good in everything from Hollywood to the White House. There is good in the world. And this takes us back to what we discussed last night. I feel that based on what we discussed last night and based on what we're discussing this night, there is intention by all sources of media, entertainment, politics to convince us that the world is so terrible, that things are so bad, so evil and dark, that we should just give in to them because there's no reason to resist. God is dead, and there's no point in trying to resurrect him. He's a failed creator. Just go along with the evil. And there are those in Silicon Valley and at major universities that are actively, admittedly, publicly, trying to usurp the authority of the concept of God, claiming that God made mistakes when he created man, and that man, an imperfect being by their own description, by their own definition, can recreate himself in God's or his own image. Because God's imperfect, God created an imperfect man, but man is so perfect, even though he's imperfect, he can create a more perfect man. That's transhumanism, that's transgenderism, exploited a super ultra minority of the population, way less than 0.7%, exploited for political means, political gains, and that transhumanist agenda is one in which I'm not worried about the typical political things, economic things, or people losing jobs. We've had an industrial revolution before people lost some jobs and then new jobs were created. Transhumanism that I'm worried about is the replacing of God with a man-made religion, which is institutional uh, and tax-exempt beyond the Catholic Church, the religion of AI or the religion of machines and technology. It's already very religious-like. I mean, the entire political system is very religious-like. Uh, the savior that is Donald Trump for the right, or well, even the savior that is Joe Biden for the left, but more so, uh, climate change is a, is a cult-like religion. You know, the rejection that there's any kind of corruption in government or that there's any kind of thing such as uh, drug smuggling or, you know, open borders. It's like just total denial of reality. It's, these are religious-like uh, convictions, politically speaking. And they are those religious-like uh, convictions. Some of those people have to be influenced by darker forces. And I mean like spiritual, unseen physical things. Again, I give you Chuck Schumer talking to nothing in his chair. I give you Joe Biden talking and shaking hands with invisible things on stage. Maybe he just has dementia. But perhaps 
The best example is what just happened this week in the state of Arizona. This is an Arizona lawmaker on video. Representative Stephanie Stahl Hamilton, who was captured on video after security installed cameras to find out why Bibles were going missing. Stephanie Stahl Hamilton, who's supposedly a Presbyterian uh, minister, which is even weirder, she was taking the Bibles and hiding them like Easter eggs. She actually took one of the Bibles and stuck it into the fridge, which is even stranger because the fridge is the ice box, the chill chest, and the devil is also depicted as being inside of a, of, of a cube of ice. Cube is obviously the Saturnistic material world. The devil is in a cube of ice in an ice palace. Ice palace, ice chest. They used to put big cube blocks of ice and that's what the refrigerator was. Now we have electricity. Putting the Bible in the refrigerator, that uh, speaks and reeks of something a little bit more than just zealotry. And the right is influenced heavily by this stuff, too. But the left is especially, I mean, this woman is a Democrat who literally can't stand to see the sight of a Bible. I'm not joking. People aren't joking when they say that a lot of these people are actually, and Satanist is not the right word, like they are just appalled. They are so offended by even the idea of God. I mean, it's like literally when you watch a movie about possession or something, and the priest comes in, and then the possessed or the supposed possessed just freaks out. Nobody wants you here, priest. That's that's what these. This is a representative in the state of Arizona, and, and she just sees a Bible and freaks out and has to hide it away so she doesn't have to look at it. I mean, that is either derangement, uh, mental illness, or this woman is again uh, Stephanie Stahl Hamilton is possessed by something, and probably not just an ideology. And you can just like feel and see the wickedness in these people. Just especially Newsom, the governor of California. That is that is a raw, unfiltered form of evil. The honeycomb is still in the in the jar, if you know what I mean. Just total evil. But again, the Republicans too. It's not. A, it's a, this isn't a political thing. This is a theological thing. And I'm coming at it from the point of view of someone who's not. I'm not a defined Christian. If anything, I'm a Shintoist. I I just can see the evil. I can see the the darkness, and I've had my own experiences with those things too. I'm not going to sell them to you like David Wilcock does. And that's actually a really great example too. David Wilcock says he's getting contacts from the Archangel Michael who's telling him to sell prophecies for lots of money. I think the Catholic Church should be notified of this. In fact, I'm going to work on that this week. I'm going to try to get a hold of somebody at the church and have them do an investigation of David Wilcock because this man is selling prophecies from the Archangel Michael. Can we at least get a, an official condemnation from the Archdiocese in Colorado that David Wilcock is exploiting prophecy, exploiting Christ, exploiting angels? I mean, this man is going to be, they got a special room for David Wilcock in hell if that's a real place. That's not just a, a state of mind. I think this is proof that there is a gateway or a doorway open to hell, a hell door. Taking us back to the movie Nefarious and the demonic agenda to use the will of man to overthrow man in spite of God, 
contact that I myself and Clyde Lewis got through the Ouija board of a Dr. Heldor and the saying in the book of Daniel, many, many tickle Parson, numbered and weighted and divided. This is what came through in the board of Heldor many, many years ago. A doctor of the human condition, right? A doctor of the human condition. What is the human condition? Human condition is free will. And the demonic agenda is to exploit that free will. Do what you will. Fear of missing out. You only live once. And you want to know something that's really fascinating. This is how I gauge to determine if I'm on the right track with what I'm talking about and what I'm doing. Um, I took a walk last night with, uh, with my partner, Hope. And we, we just took a walk around the little townhome complex. And we, we had something that it wasn't negative. We had something positive to talk about. Something I wanted to share with her. And we were walking... And she, she said something about like, how was the movie you saw? And I told her, and she said, so, so weird that you, that that movie was about that because she said, I was at work. Um, she's like, I forgot to tell you this. I was at work about a week ago. And um, I, sh- I should preface by saying Clyde had told me to go see Nefarious because of, of that statement and stuff that we've talked about with Dr. Heldor. And Ho- Hope doesn't really know anything about Dr. Heldor. She doesn't really listen to the shows or anything. So she, although she was on the Ouija board when that came through to me and she had no idea. So I know that she wasn't moving it. She had no idea who Dr. Heldor was. It was like 2019 that happened. So she tells me she's at work and she's listening to this girl who works like part time. She just overheard this conversation and this girl is talking about a movie she saw and she says Heldor and Hope said her ears just perked up because she'd only heard that from me and from well, from Clyde. And almost like it was just like this really, it's like she was meant to hear that. And then she told me, she says, like this girl was talking about Heldor. And she, she, she said, as she's listening to the conversation, it wasn't Heldor, like the Ouija board Heldor. It was a door to hell. You know, like the inscription uh, over the doorway to hell. All ye who enter here, right? Cursed be, uh, abandoned hope. Cursed all ye who enter here. Abandoned hope all ye who enter here. I thought that was that was weird. It's like it's what Clyde and I had talked about in the movie I saw. And that is pretty pure synchronicity. And by the way, speaking of uh, Mariana shrines or Mariana apparitions, Mariana shrines and apparitions, a, a shrine in northeast Wisconsin, the only shrine in the U.S. to be designated by the Catholic Church as an approved Mariana apparition site, is changing its name. It is now going to be called the National Shrine of Our Lady of Champion instead of National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. And by the way, speaking of that, uh, Joe Biden actually visited, and when he was in Ireland, Our Lady of Knock in Knock in the county of, is it Mayo, Mayo, which witness claim uh, to an apparition of Mary, the Mother of God, St. Joseph, her spouse, and St. John the Evangelist in 1879. So that is all I have for you tonight. I hope that you enjoyed the show and that you got something out of it. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. You can listen for free five nights a week, Monday through Friday, GroundZero.radio. Check us out on our website, thesecretteachings.info. You can find our show archive there. You can listen to all the shows and download them. We get paid when you do that. If you're a subscriber, thank you for subscribing. You can resubscribe on our site if you'd like to keep the subscription there or go to aftermath.media and subscribe to the premium subscription. We also get paid when you do that. Those are the ways that we are on air five nights a week. And also, if you buy one of my books, tonight I'd recommend Liberty Shrugged. I'd actually also recommend The Technological Elixir. 
and Occult Arcana. I think we covered a little bit of all that tonight on the show. www.thesecretteachings.info Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we will talk to you on the next broadcast. Have a wonderful evening, morning, night, whenever, and wherever you are listening around the world. 